Hello and welcome to the Methods Podcast. My name is Hannah Pinnock and today I'm speaking with Professor Mark Thompson, Strategy Director at Methods, about the future of digital transformation in the public sector. This episode was recorded on the 14th of December 2020. Thank you for joining us today, Mark. It's great to have you on. Pleasure to be invited. Thank you. Our topic today is one you're well qualified to speak on. Uh, It's the next decade of digital transformation in the public sector. We've seen a huge amount of progress since 2010 in central and local government across the UK. COVID has, of course, been the great accelerator this year, and we've seen huge strides being made to enable organisations to adapt to this new world. COVID has really highlighted the need for ongoing investment in IT and digital in order to keep up with the pace of change. My first question then is, what have been the greatest areas of focus and progress in the public sector over the last five to 10 years? Well, thanks. Um, So so I kind of like to think, actually, I've started to thinking about the kind of digital narrative uh, in UK government um, in terms of the last kind of eight to 10 years, and then starting to look forward to the next eight to ten years and and my um my proposition to you is i think they're, they're going to be quite different actually when we look back in another eight ten years time it's quite interesting so i mean if we look at the last uh, five to ten years i suppose um uh i would kind of define that as as the era of certainly the first kind of 2010 to 2013 maybe era of open standards so and i was lucky enough to be involved in some of this stuff um, but a bunch of us uh, got quite heavily involved in trying to intentionally disrupt what was seen at the time as a uh, a bit of a stranglehold from the kind of traditional systems integrator model with kind of vertically integrated technology people processes, um, which prevented organisations from from modernising, from from adapting, responding to uh, to kind of rapidly accelerating change uh, in in systems expectations of public services, but also that kept governments kind of collectively as a bit of a prisoner um, to some of some some of these organisations, and out of a twenty one billion pound tech spend in uh, about 2007-8, 80 went to 12 companies. So, so we did a, a, a number of things. Um, uh, so, spend controls is one of them to try and limit some of that spend. Um, a, a, a government open standards policy, uh, an open data policy. Um, a, a, a number ten ran an SME policy to try and level the playing field for suppliers um, in government digital. Um, uh, and and uh, closely allied to that was a deliberate attempt to, if you like, standardise and commoditize some of the kind of most common elements of. Um, of of technology and that became of course what we all know now as g cloud um uh, back then of course cloud was somewhere where people really just thought about maybe a few people thought about dumping some of their data uh, it's a very different story now we'll hopefully get onto that uh, if if you ask me um so 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 those were kind of bunch of policy initiatives that <clears throat> that I think very much set the standard for the formation of government digital service, um, uh, which leads us on to another, I think, highlight of the last 10 years, which was a kind of uh, an embedding of modern agile software development practices and techniques um, and a kind of, uh, if you like, a a culture or an aesthetic of user centricity um, in, in digital service design. So some of those cultures and practices uh, GDS service design standards, technology standards, etc., um, started to really percolate down and become kind of embedded within uh, a lot of uh, a lot of tech teams across UK government, and I think that's been very positive as well. Um, other highlights we can kind of look to. Um, 
I think there was a there was a big uh, focus on on government as a platform um, about four or five years ago. A lot of confusion. Uh, I'm on record as weighing into that confusion and trying to introduce a bit of clarity. Um, but I think some of the highlights, for example, were uh, that we saw uh, GDS build um, uh, kind of technology platforms to share, so uh, notify and pay and verify, etc. Um, uh, some of which have been sort of uh, had a checkered history, some of which have been viewed potentially as more successful. Um, and I think we've seen a bit of an early grappling with this idea that uh, the cloud uh, isn't somewhere where, you know, um, that we can kind of safely dismiss as being unsafe or to talk about kind of data residency and use that as an excuse to just dismiss cloud-based models. Um, uh, so I think, I think, however, uh, we are still left after this kind of period of, of uh, this kind of decade, really, of quite rapid change in public sector technology with poor information governance. Um, I think too many people still can say no to cloud. Um, and uh, and I think that, that kind of holds us back um, in terms of data as well. So I think we have much, much further to go, um, both as a society, of course, but also as government uh, in thinking about uh, data. Uh, so, for example, and it's, I would say this, but it's back to the kind of open standards and the naming and having a common language to understand everything. So, you know, standard processes to identify, describe and catalogue data, you know, uh, metadata management models, um, uh, uh, ethics uh, frameworks for data, you know, data modelling methodologies, um, senior responsible owners for, for different data sets. Um, most of these things are, are are embryonic, I think, probably in, in most, uh, so certainly most government organisations um, that, that I get involved with. Uh, and the problem about that, of course, is that um, uh, what we're going to hopefully come on to, which is the next decade, is really all about data driven public services that can kind of keep track um, as as user needs evolve and to give us the kind of public services that anticipate what we want and are configured around citizens and we can't do that without a mature data framework so in summary i think we've achieved uh, a great deal um, in all sorts of ways i think there have been all sorts of lessons learned along the way um, and uh, but i do think that this thing uh, that we've kind of started calling cloud um, uh, we've 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 had sort of cloud first policies for four or five years um, still has much much further to run because i think too many uh, public service designers still think really of the cloud as, as somewhere where it's okay to, to stick our data and possibly okay to kind of lift and shift um, our, our kind of apps um, in a kind of relatively unrationalized and unarchitected way into the cloud, that's job done, that's, that's digital. And of course, I think as we're starting to see now, that's very far from the truth. So um, I guess that leads us on to the next question, which is uh, where do you hope to see the greatest investment over the, the next decade in the public sector? Well, Hannah, I'm very glad you asked me that question. <laughs> so, um, so obviously, as, as you picked up from my response to, I guess, the last 10 years, kind of summarising the kind of narrative, um, I, 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 I'm convinced that, um, that the next 10 years is going to be all about uh, cloud and it's all going to be about data as well. So, um, so if I could just start, I suppose, with um, just winding in this notion of the fourth industrial revolution, um, what all that stuff is about. Um, so fourth industrial revolution, quite simply, a bunch of uh, you know, emerging technologies, as some people call them, 
what am I talking about here? I'm talking about artificial intelligence, uh, machine learning, Internet of Things, um, advanced analytics, a whole bunch of associated utilities and services, for example, I don't know, natural language processing, optic character uh, recognition, um, uh, you know, mapping technologies, et cetera, et cetera, which increasingly you wouldn't dream of building yourself because quite a lot of them, of course, need massive computing infrastructure uh, and networking to be able to work properly. These guys all live in the cloud. Um, and they're all part of kind of ecosystems, mushrooming ecosystems, these very powerful cloud-based services and utilities that can be consumed like utilities. If only we are smart enough when we're designing our services and our architecture to design outwards and in an open way to kind of open up the connectors, if you like, and the ability to consume them when we put together public services. So I guess my, my, my kind of strap line for... Um, uh, for the next decade is how on earth government services start to re-architect themselves around the cloud. So, so again, what you know, what does that mean? Uh, well, I think the, the the most important thing that that means in terms of culture and mindset is that in, inevitably, in my opinion, um, kind of studying other um, digital business models that are evolving in the 21st century, is that government will have to steer. Uh, sorry, government will have to row the boat less and steer more. OK, so I very much envisage, and again, if you look at comparable models in the private sector, uh, a successful public services of the future of being where government, um, if, if you like, is the kind of it's the platform for the data, for the standards, for the government governance, for the procurement, for the licensing of publicly available, suitably secured, etc. data to a, a vibrant ecosystem of both public private sector but also third sector including kind of fret in the shed and uh you know people in local communities who want to set up data trusts as we've seen happening in, in covid um so as the kind of uh, as the architect uh, if you like as the steward of trust and governance um and uh if you like as the the uh, the nexus or the nerve center for a data centric vibrant innovation focused uh, set of activity um which is being performed again across sector so that that sounds and looks and feels very different from traditional silo based government, top down government where government does everything uh, from from kind of building its own data center at the bottom of the stack to to kind of building its front end at the top um uh, and knowing best for what's you know what's best for us as citizens to government recognizing that again in the accelerated uh, kind of markets and expectations of the of and tech evolution of the 21st century government can never hope to keep up. Government can never hope to design for us or know what's what we're going to be wanting in two or three years' time. It just can't. Um, uh, that sort of command, command and control, um, kind of a, a kind of Soviet era um, bureaucracy is just not fit for the 21st century. So, so we've got to re-architect around the cloud. Now that starts off with some difficult things. So we see um, in in methods quite frequently. Um, uh, customers coming to us saying, well, isn't it okay if we just take our applications and upload them into the cloud? Is that, and then can we share stuff and, and is, is the job done? And we kind of say, well, uh, all you're really doing is of course, transferring all of the kind of the spaghetti mess um, upwards somewhere else and hosting it somewhere else. And you're not really gonna get any of those business benefits. So if you're really gonna move to this kind of model You've got to start having kind of, I guess you've got to start re-architecting yourself horizontally. So what are the common components? Uh, what are those things that we can share between us um, as similar organizations? So, for example, I'm looking at <clears throat> local governments, an obvious one. 
I talk about that a lot. And we've had the, the local government digital declaration, which is governments, some of the leading local government organisations coming together. And you can look it up. It's on GovUK uh, saying, look, you know what? We're going to try and consolidate around shared infrastructure wherever possible, shared services, so that we don't keep reinventing the wheel. But what about a higher education local digital declaration? You know, we've got 172 or something yeah, universities in the UK. At their back end, they, they add absolutely no value to students whatsoever. You know, unless you're an academic or you're a partner um, or you are a, 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 um, or a student yourself, the rest of the stuff is just management and administration, public safety as well, the host of blue light organisations uh, that duplicate the wheel. We've got 43 police forces, that's just the start. And then, of course, the big one, uh, the NHS, topically enough. So you know, 650 plus NHS trusts, um, uh, possibly hundreds and hundreds of millions, if not billions, of duplicated administrative activity in terms of the kind of the stuff which is non-clinical. So those sorts of models could not possibly survive, in my opinion, were they not um, upheld by taxpayers. Uh, in the commercial sector, they just go bust because um, they are impossibly complacent, collectively complacent models to continue into the 21st century and pretend we can still run in that way. So, so, so what does that really mean? If I'm a senior leader in, in public services, we can talk about re-architecting to the cloud and sharing stuff. Uh, we can talk about steering, if you like, as a model and, and, and not rowing the boat. We can talk about trying to think about the purpose of government and public services as forming uh, a platform for a vibrant ecosystem of kind of crowdsource innovation and investment that gives more power back to localities, to citizens, um, and to to kind of people of all stripes, if you like, different sectors. Um, what it really comes down to for me, and it's something, it's a principle I talk about quite a lot, is focus and leverage. That's what I try and call it. So uh, if I can just briefly summarise it for you. So imagine we're in a Dragon's Den situation or a, uh, I don't know, an apprentice, the apprentice show, and I'm Alan Sugar. Um, and I'm a kind of uh, a kind of digital plus version of Alan Sugar. Um, so the traditional Alan Sugar would say, you know, right, what have you got for me then? I won't try and do an Alan Sugar impersonation and get me into trouble with all sorts of people. Um, what have you got for me then? And what are you focusing on? You know, what do, what's your focus on your customer? What's your value proposition? And then on the on the whole, you know, basis of criteria around that, uh, Sir Alan would decide whether or not um, I'm, he's going to he's going to burn his cash on on my offer okay so i think that's kind of last century i'm not suggesting that's the way he would behave but in the 21st century it's not just a matter of focus okay it's also a matter of leverage so what do i mean by that i mean that the value proposition in the 21st century for citizens as well as in a kind of dragon's den situation is that i also want to know of course i want to know uh, how you're going to meet user needs, what your value proposition is, what your real focus is, your niche is, your USP, if you like. But I also want to know how you are going to leverage, how you're going to turbocharge those offerings by using all of these emerging cloud-based technologies and designing your offerings so that I don't burn through my pile of cash. Think of them all sitting there in Dragon's Den with their piles of cash on their, on their tables in front of them. I don't want to burn through 50% of that cash pile reinventing the wheel, building a, an analytics kind of function or, or building my own customer relationship management system or, or all of the other nonsense that we see just as part of our kind of legacy in UK public sectors, but also legacy organisations everywhere around the planet. So so I guess what I want increasingly is to hear from people who present to me, and I sometimes get involved in these kind of pitches, um, what their focus is and how they're going to leverage uh, that with, 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 with kind of proper cloud-based architecture 
architecture and design. Uh, and, and if they can convince me of those two things, I probably think I've got a sustainable, whilst very, very focused model, which is likely to take advantage of kind of crowdsource innovation, um, is likely to be able to keep up uh, with, with the pace of technology-based change, uh, because that's evolving all of the time, and is also likely to save me a lot of money as well, um, kind of reinventing the wheel. So I think that's my kind of advice to, to senior leaders in public services is, is I... I'm not a technologist, so, so so I guess my role is to be a kind of technology translator in a sense. Um, so, to, but I always think of it through the kind of business lens. Um, and you don't need to be uh, a technologist or to be any kind of in any sort of fancy technology conversations with all the buzzwords and all the confusion to think actually is this really just about technology. Or is it really starting to think about how we can re-architect and redesign our services for a cloud-based world where we can actually spin things up very quickly by putting, assembling these kind of standard components together from the cloud, sharing them together, um, having much more control over our data, uh, asking questions about how we're using our data, where we're going to get it from. And I alluded a bit earlier to some of the, the basic steps we could put in place around, around data. And, and finally, really having that, that kind of laser focus on focusing where we in government and public services add value versus those areas where really citizens don't really care. When was the last time you as a citizen cared uh, who manufactured the customer relationship management system, for example, in your local authority? You just don't care. People who work in some of the local authorities might care, uh, but that's a slightly different conversation. So again, I think as leaders, it's up to us to really start to challenge some of these ways that I think, ways of working and, and thinking that for the 21st century, start when, when viewed in collective to appear a little bit complacent. Mm. Okay, so you you talked about uh, rowing less and steering more, and and a lot of this that you're talking about is kind of underpinned by kind of principles of collaboration and needing to work much more closely across different sectors. So, if I was a chief executive of a council or a police chief or a um, uh, a chancellor of a university, for example, how would I go about? Um, generating that kind of increased collaboration and closer working and I'm thinking about models like Lottie for example and obviously there's similar versions of that across San Francisco and across Europe and various other places what would you what do you recommend so, so for me I guess a couple of a, a couple of thoughts to throw in the mix I think one thing that is hugely manifestly missing uh, and the, my biggest uh, bugbear if you like is that there is almost no senior business education on digital, not about technology, but on digital transformation for for senior leaders in public sector. So, so you know, the world's awash with technology training. We can always get training in all sorts of technologies, um, and we've got all the public frameworks and all of that to do to do that for us but we really really do not educate in the kind of nicest non-patronizing way um you know senior leaders in what the implications of these emerging digital business models are for their jobs for for the future of the departments or, or agencies that they run um and for those kind of first steps towards making some of these kind of genuine shifts um that we've been talking about so i think there's a real confusion also uh, it's sometimes kind of referred to in these two words, digitization and digitalization. Mm -hmm. So digitization is just, again, just bugging, just digitizing stuff without a real much thought or investment in 
the purpose of doing that and how we're going to kind of reap the benefits of doing that for citizens. Digitalization, on, on the other hand, is about how we actually use digital technology and digitization to bring about a sea change in service delivery, sustainability, cost, um, and all the rest of it for citizens. And that's a very difficult, different type of conversation. So, so the first thing I would say is, how can we expect people who are who are very busy with business as usual in unprecedentedly strained times in terms of budget, in terms of user needs, in terms of business as usual, in terms of all of the, the hideous things, frankly, that 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 um, that many public sector leaders have had to cope with, particularly during the pandemic. Um, how can we how can we expect them to start to think five and ten years hence and to think through some of the collaborative implications? So so some of the examples I gave are all have the implication that as the chief executive of a council, for example, you need to sign up to the local digital declaration. You need to champion that and don't just leave it to your CTO or your CDIO or whatever else. This is a business model. It's a chief executive responsibility. Um, how can we expect people to take that and to kind of step up to the plate uh, unless we start to provide them with the headspace to connect some of these things together and to start to build a common understanding across a lot of those silos of what collectively we need to be doing. So that's number one. I think it's really, really because without that, we're not going to move anywhere at all, really. It's, it's going to get left to the technologists and public service redesign should not be left, in my opinion, to technologists. So the second thing is um, uh, there are some some kind of useful neutral frameworks around there um, that we found very helpful in trying to trying to set a kind of playing field for some very difficult conversations. So one of the ones that we use a lot is, is Simon Wardley's mapping technique that many people that listen to this will have heard of. Um, it's not always used very well um, and one of the ways in my opinion which it could be used badly is if people don't allocate the time to it and and view it as the answer rather than the start of, of a series of difficult questions because because inevitably, of course, there are winners and there are losers out of digitalization, digital transformation. Of course. So the winners, as as in any digital um, uh, kind of disintermediation, if you like, are uh, uh, public sector workers. So, so sorry, public servants. So doctors, teachers, nurses, social workers, people who do things directly for the public. They can never be replaced with any of this stuff. And in fact, the public wants a lot more of those people. Um, the losers, I'm afraid, are quite a lot of the management um, uh, support administration functions, the more process heavy functions. And that's the same in any sector that you look at globally anyway. Um, and we need a national conversation as to how, if we're going to have this kind of sea change of scale that I believe has to be involved to save public services um, using digital thinking, then, 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 you know, then need to be answers for those people because there are some very difficult discussions. So, of course, if we have a, a mapping session and that we we identify that you know um, in ten years time there is in principle as I believe there is no reason at all why why it, take the NHS that that, that you know twenty five percent of of the kind of back uh, back end of of NHS services couldn't be consumed directly somewhere from the cloud. I'm not saying that that's a that, that's a public sector provider, private sector provider. Confederation of providers doesn't matter, but consumed in a sort of single standardized instance. Now that has enormous implications for, for tens of thousands of people. So we need to have answers for some of those things. These aren't, uh, these aren't easy questions. We're talking about sort of, you know, it is a digital transformation of, of, of society is, is relates to, you know, obviously the private sector, the high streets, the, the, the progressive um, uh, uh, kind of um, uh, 
um, digitization of, of jobs um, and and quite searching questions about the new sorts of jobs and the new sorts of ways in which we value activities. Uh, so, so I'm suggesting, for example, that that uh, that nurses are possibly undervalued. Now, that's a that's a sort of soft political statement, I guess, but um, uh, for what they do, um, and and that actually, uh, and I'm not the only person to suggest this, that some of these discussions about value prompted by digitalization uh, will start to increase an understanding about actually those people who cannot be disintermediated by tech and the way that we value and incentivize them. So. So I guess you probably wanted a nice easy answer for this. You do this and then you do that and you do that and then we're all done. Um, but that would be very disingenuous of me, I think, to suggest that any of this stuff is easy, which is why I think it's so important for us to have questions like this and to have a much more mature uh, level of national debate about the kind of society that we want, about the way in which we, we want technology to play roles in our public services, um, about how we value human activity and what kinds of activities and how we come together to have sensible uh, conversations within a relatively neutral frameworks about the sorts of shifts from from the sorts of roles which increasingly are shown up by digital tech to add little value to public services and towards those um, that, that everybody agrees uh, add lots of value and that we'd like more of. So it's it's going to be very difficult, I think. But if you like, this discussion is just a sort of microcosm of the broader discussion that humanity is having about the role of the Internet uh, in changing society. So so we wouldn't expect it to be simple, would we? <laughs> Absolutely not. And it's not and it's hard. Right. And it we see it with our clients, you know, that it's uh, it's it's hard to get right. And it's, it's certainly hard to get right first time. And often and often organizations don't. And I guess uh, feeling kind of um, feeling like that kind of initial failure or one of those failures along the journey doesn't isn't the thing that kind of completely sways you and puts you off even trying the next thing is 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 important because actually this we've got to do this and it's got to be part of our part of our changing landscape over the next you know probably 20 30 40 years so um final question for you then is um if you if you had to put a stake in the ground and say that this is the most crucial area you've talked a lot about data and 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 cloud and, and ethics and various things what would you say is the like the most crucial area for the public sector to focus on to 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 kind of effectively digitally transform over the next time frame i think i think if you're going to put me on the spot hannah it comes back to um to the education piece i still think that so we can present uh you know let, let me let me try and say this properly. So so I think one of the essential um, problems that is raised by digital technology, the kind we've been talking about, is uh, that that we have enormous duplication uh, across across particularly local services. I think Whitehall departments are slightly different case actually, but 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 the other ones, the ones that citizens really care about, are of course you hopelessly duplicated. The problem is, is we can present people with all the technology we like and all the, I don't know, the the data management principles and the ethics frameworks and the and the architectures and whatever. Um, and yet, if there's no collective will uh, driven somehow to actually start to, because these things are taken advantage of collectively, it's not it's not one that every council, every NHS trust forms its own particular way of doing these things and does, because we just go round around around again. Um, and I think I think the the social stakes are too high at the moment. I think to preserve the kind of social democracy that that, that many of us treasure uh, in this country, I think we need to preserve our democratic institutions and public services are, and 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 kind of public institutions. So 
sit at the core of that. The stakes are very, very high. Um, so we have to transform uh, in the way that, that delivers value to citizens and the way that citizens find relevant. So, so I guess unless we can try and bring around a collective um, organic mindset um, amongst uh, the various hundreds and thousands of silos that we have across public services that actually rather than being rather than being uh, private organizations beholden to their own individual shareholders uh, they actually all work in the public domain uh, to to kind of common shareholders um, uh, then I don't think we're going to get very far uh, and and for me I, I'm still disturbed I think and worried by what I see as a lack of that of that collective will uh, and and I think as I said earlier I think part of the reason for that is because people are under such stress delivering business as usual uh, that they just don't have uh, the kind of the right opening uh, and the right opportunity I think and possibly possibly um, facilitation if you like of of that kind of collective understanding i do believe if if senior business leaders felt more confident about technology and realized they don't have to be technologists themselves that they have to own this kind of business model thinking um then i think we would get very much further and we'd have a chance we'd definitely have a chance i think there's no reason why we can't do this uh, i think as we all know those of us who work in tech you know we, we quite frequently hear the tech is the easy part. Uh, it's it's the legacy and it's the people and and the soft pee politics that's the difficult part. Uh, so I think we have to start with that because I think the tech is getting easier and easier, more and more modular, more and more standard, more and more consumable. Uh, it works better. It's becoming more powerful. Um, what we lack, I think, is the smarts collectively to to redesign ourselves to be able to consume this stuff properly in a way that adds value to citizens. So that's where I'd start. And so I've got a, a, one tiny follow-up question to my final question, uh, which is, um, if I'm a, a senior leader listening to this and I'm thinking, yes, like I agree with all, all that you're saying, um, but I, and I see myself in that camp of lacking that kind of that knowledge to, to be able to push my organisation forward, what would you, where would I start? What's the starting point for me kind of going, beginning that education journey? Um, I think I would go out and order or borrow a, a book or a, a copy of Klaus Schwab's Fourth Industrial Revolution. So the Fourth Industrial Revolution, it was it's a term invented by Klaus Schwab, S-C-H-W-A-B, who is the guy that set up the Davos uh, uh, World Economic Forum. Um, so probably slightly right of centre. Um, but what, what I like about him is that he's not a technologist. Okay, he's, he's a very bright person, very well connected, talks to a lot of people who are very well connected. Uh, and he felt compelled to write this thing. It's about three or four years old now, but I, I don't think it's dated at all. Very thin, you can read it on the train journey. Um, and if that doesn't change your kind of thinking about, uh, about the 21st century, um, I think nothing else will. I'd, I'd start with that. Um, uh, and I think there is there have been some moves, I think, um, in the in what's now called the GDS Academy to provide some of this. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that it hits hits all of this stuff on the head. Um, the other thing I would, I would do is have a look at the, the local digital declaration. Just Google it. Um, so that exists for for local government, but it could go a lot further. It could be subscribed to a lot more by local services. Um, but also, you know, why not? As I, as I mentioned earlier, why can't we have a health 
digital declaration? You know, why can't we have a, a, a public safety digital declaration? So, so start to get together, start to get some of that networking done. Don't, don't um, necessarily expect it to come from the centre, because I think, I, I think kind of, you know, history shows it won't necessarily uh, arrive from the centre. And, and I think, you know, start to just dream about some of the some of the more intelligent ways in which we could organize ourselves so sometimes i so take health i you know um i sometimes talk about the the health data economy yeah so in 10 years time i think m most citizens are likely to be happy suitably anonymized to to give their health data uh in return for statistically significant kind of um, probability of extending their healthy life by another five years because that's where the tech is going to be um, and if and if the rewards are, are are compelling enough, I'm in. You know, most people will be in. Um, so so the question is, who owns that data? Yeah, uh, and is that is that privately owned, or will that be stewarded from for us? You know, in the public domain on our behalf, uh, that that data will be of inestimable value, and governments can license it out to people on our behalf, make use of that, and make you own the intelligence. We can own that for ourselves. Um, now that. That's an example of kind of business model thinking, platform business model thinking, which I'm not sure occupies uh, the Department of Health in terms of its kind of self-understanding at the moment. Uh, that's a very different type of understanding. Of course, we've got to run hospitals. Of course, we've got to to, to heal people when they're sick. Um, but but there is an entirely different strand of of, of possibly even even or critical business thinking, because then we can we can stop failure demand. We can actually stop people from getting sick in the first place, um, uh, which I, su I suggest probably isn't having the sort of level of investment um, and energy that it ought to be getting. So, so I think when we start to kind of get together, start to talk about some of these things, start to say, okay, what could we achieve if we start kind of, you know, myself and and my neighbouring three chief executives, you know, what what sort of conversations can we have, um, and uh, and maybe then then get facilitators um, in to kind of help you to you know to try and do that but again don't get any old facilitator don't get the, the usual kind of you know consulting offerings with the slide deck and the jargon because I don't think this is what this is about I think you need people to think about digital business models and and properly challenge your thinking um, because it can be really exciting great I will put uh, Schwab's book on my Christmas list because I haven't read that so uh, if I can read it in a train journey that that's great definitely <laughs> Thank you, Mark, for your time and your thoughts today. And um, thank you, listener, for dialing in. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this Methods podcast. Let us know if you have any thoughts or feedback. Uh, and we look forward to seeing you next time.